It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And what is up? Welcome in. GC Live, Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark. Plenty to talk about as we roll into spring practice. South Carolina officially underway. Busy week in Gamecock Nation. We're going to talk about a lot of it right now. Mostly football focused, uh, maybe a little recruiting. And we'll probably save the other sports for the other shows. But as always, appreciate our friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage. ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933. If you're in the market for a new home or you just want to see what options you may have out there in order to purchase a new home, Clint can walk you through that. You have to get a little bit creative these days with interest rates, what they are, but that is what Clint is for, uh, the best mortgage brokerage guy in the area. Again, ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933. Chris, like I said, man, we'll leave it to the other guys. Uh, you know, I know Colin's got some baseball shows and basketball shows going on but if you know I was talking to Steve Fink the SID in South Carolina if you're running the show over there this week I mean you had pro day on Monday you got press conferences throughout the week for football uh, you know spring football practice which was open for part of it on Tuesday <laughs> women's basketball tournament kicks off which you're hosting that this weekend SEC baseball I mean, there there's no shortage of things going on. And then you got some other programs, man, like men's tennis. They're top five in the country right now. Uh, you know, softball has started SEC play. A uh, lot going down. Yeah, man, it's hard to keep up with it. And you're right. I mean, some of the other sports that don't get as much love uh, on this program is, is probably they should. We'll, we'll have to, uh, you know, reserve that from another time just because there's so much football to pack in. But. Deservedly so, some of those getting a shout-out. Uh, quick preview, actually. Let me take one second, Wes. Tomorrow, 107.5 of the game, 10 a.m., Garnet Trust Hour. Tune in. Um, Brooke Blankenship, I'll be talking with her from the softball team. They actually have a game tonight, but they started out, West 22-4, and four, and now they are hitting SEC play, had their first series against LSU a few days ago, uh, who's a top-10 team now, uh, but they're getting into SEC play. Mississippi State up next, so – a ton going on in Gamecock country, but uh, we had some fun yesterday, man. We got to go out and check out six periods of the very first spring practice for South Carolina. Hard to believe it's already here, but in another way, it's not. It typically flies by. Seems like the bowl game was just a couple weeks ago, the Clemson game a few weeks ago, but now more football and so many interesting storylines, I think, this spring for Shane Beamer's third year. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, before we dive into all those storylines, I also I, I want to get the headers out of the way because I know I'm going to forget them. Some news today. Hayden Hurst, you know, looks like he's headed to the Panthers on a three-year deal, according to a bunch of reports from the NFL guys. And uh, let's see, Chris Stefan Gilmore reportedly getting traded to the Cowboys earlier this week. I mean, just a, a lot going on on that side of things as well. And, you know, I, I think you'll probably continue to see some former Gamecocks, maybe find some new homes. Pro Day was going on on Monday. And, you know, I, I don't want to, I guess, dive too far into that. I think people primarily want to talk about spring football. But uh, I think once we dive into spring football, we'll probably use the rest of the time to talk about it. So, uh, you know, th there were a few guys I thought really helped themselves on Monday. I'll be completely frank and honest with everybody listening or watching. Like, I've had maybe a couple friends ask me about how guys looked out there. I mean, I'm going to be honest with y'all, guys. Like, it's not – you don't get to see a whole lot um, being out there for pro day. Now, the numbers do tell a story. And, you know, I, I think I think all the top guys did what they needed to do from what I've heard. You know, Darius Rush, obviously, Zach Pickens, Cam Smith, that that group – you know, I, I think they did what they needed to do. 
But then there were some guys, Chris, we had our eyes on. And, you know, I, I think, first of all, you and I have already talked quite a bit about Nate Atkins and he being a guy that's going to probably grab NFL teams' attentions. However, let me go ahead and, and add Josh Van in there as well because I think, you know, I'll speak for myself. I didn't know how much to expect from Josh just coming off the knee. Not only did he participate, but he participated at full go and uh, ran very, very well, um, both in the timing with the 40-yard dash and by the eye test. That was something we did get to kind of watch was the receivers kind of up close. Dude, I thought he was in and out of his breaks, caught the ball naturally, as we always know he does. Um, I, I don't know what that means overall, but I, I do think uh, I think it was a very good day for Josh. Muted, Chris. Man, hadn't done that one in a while. Um, we're out of practice. We'll get back in the swing of things. So look back at last year. So Josh has a big 2021 season. He kind of needed to be the man, and so he stepped up and had a his best year. Last season, it was more of Juice Wells' turn to be the lead receiver. That's kind of how it shook out. But Josh still played a complimentary role. And here's the other thing that I think could help him that we've talked about a lot. He was so reliable as a punt returner with his hands. You know, they didn't break a lot of big plays in the punt return game, um, but they had a chance at some. And he was just so, so solid there. It's just one of those kind of undervalued things, catching a punt with guys bearing down on you. Not an easy job. And to have a guy like Josh back there who's so reliable was huge. That could end up helping him. And so I think then, of course, he got hurt in the Clemson game, couldn't participate in the bowl game. And so he didn't have as much buzz exiting the season, like the, that regular season finale after he had a good game against Tennessee, right? Regular season finale against Clemson, gets hurt early after a really good catch, can't play in the bowl game. Now he's injured. He's got a knee injury. And you're kind of wondering, okay, what does this process look like? Well, he looked fully healthy. And I think now it's gone a little bit from, okay, can will Josh be able to draw some adequate looks to, hmm, okay, 4-4-3 four, four, West in the 40-yard dash, which was probably a few ticks better than I anticipated, 36-inch vertical and a 10-5 broad jump. And then, as you said, in drills, caught the ball very, very well. I thought he, he looked great out there. So um, that's not to say that Josh fans now back in kind of the – He's certainly draftable, right? I don't know if we sit here and say he's now projected to come off the board, but I think with what he showed, showing he's healthy, going back and looking at some of his potential as a receiver and on special teams as a returner, probably is going to have a chance to go to a camp and show what he can do, which is for a guy like him, that's that's where you want to be. That's what you want to ask for at this point. Yeah, certainly. And uh, just, I mean, to go, to go from – what we saw with the knee injury, and then quick turnaround. And I don't know if we ever knew exactly how uh, severe the, the knee injury was, uh, you know, was or wasn't, I should say. But then to see him bounce back like that and, you know, just look like an, his old self uh, was really, really great to see. Uh, Big Red asking on YouTube, uh, were many of the new recruits practicing today? Um, I'm guessing you mean early – Signees, Big Red, um, New York, you might want to restate that one for me. We will answer your question. But uh, no practice today officially. They did have practice on Tuesday. All, um, trying to think, I think all the newcomers that were expected to be out there were out there. The one guy I didn't lay, eye on, lay eyes on, I'm kind of mad at myself. I tried to give a thought on every single newcomer for a story. I didn't put my eyes on Connor Cox. So I did. You did? Okay, so Connor was yep. out there. Um, confirmed. Confirmed. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, and like I said, uh, to, to close out the pro day stuff, I think I think the other guys have done what they needed to do, you know, going into this next step of the process, which I guess now, Chris, is just meeting with teams, talking with teams. Pete Limbo talked quite a bit about how much his guys have talked about special teams with some of these NFL guys, and that's something where all of them, I think, are going to benefit from learning under Pete Limbo and, and putting on film, you know, especially, 
you know, a guy like Darius Rush or, or Nate Atkins and, um, you know, probably several of those other guys as well, Jalen Brooks, ha- have all helped South Carolina on special teams as well. So that's always an advantage when you're maybe trying to gain that last roster spot or maybe maybe even, hey, let's be honest, this is very competitive, man. If, you, if you're kind of tied with another guy and they're thinking, do I draft this kid or this kid? Maybe that gives you the tiebreaker. You never know. Yep. Or even being able to stick around. You know, if you're drafted, obviously teams have more invested in you, more tied up in you. And so that helps you too. But Wes, even some guys that you see stick around of, you know, they make a practice squad for a team or two. And then maybe they get called up, so to speak, where now they're making an active roster. Maybe at some point they get sent back down. That is the path and journey for some guys. Not everybody's going to be a, a top 100 pick. South Carolina will have two, three of those this year, most likely in this draft, which is great. Those guys are automatically going to have a better chance at longevity. But for Nate Adkins, Josh Van, some of these other guys, their path may be more of one where you're scratching and calling a little bit more to stay in the pros. And ultimately, after that first contract, even for drafted guys, that's, that's where everybody is. It, like you said, it's so competitive. So you got to be able to give yourself an edge. And a lot of these guys at South Carolina, Rush, you know, um, Nate Adkins, Josh Van, they're going to have that to point to in their toolbox and not only having played special teams in college, but doing it at a really high level in an advanced scheme and an organization that really, or a team really, that values it in South Carolina with Shane Beamer and Pete Limbo. And that's something that they're going to be able to put on their resume, so to speak, that I think will really help. I want to move this thing forward a little bit, but a perfect segue to both the, I guess, press conferences and stuff that were going on this week and actually seeing some of spring practice. But Pete Limbo today, Chris, was talk, was asked about his, his playbook, so to speak. And the framework of the question was more about, like, all right, Pete, how many more trick plays do you have? in your book like how many could you possibly have left and to which you know pete of course ignored that part of the question because i don't think he's gonna give that away and i imagine limbo probably wakes up in the middle of the night and scribbles two-point conversions yeah um or you know these guys borrow from all over they'll they'll never run out of creative trick plays on special teams like it's just not gonna happen but he you know, and I, I guess I knew this, but maybe I didn't. He says they don't, they do not have a special teams playbook. Like there is no physical book. Now you gotta think Limbo himself probably has a book of some type, a binder, a program. He's got something yeah. where it it draws it all up and just for storage, so to speak. But there is no like, bam, drop the big playbook down in front of everybody. Hey, study this this week, study this in the offseason. And, you know, he says, look, if I can't teach the guys what they need to know in the 20 minutes I have with them for a particular concept, then I'm, I got to reevaluate. And, you know, I I thought that was kind of interesting. Like they do run a uh, pretty deep special team scheme but they do keep it within the confines of it being something the guys can execute. And now I do think they have a little bit of an advantage in that you're playing at a place where the guys have seen what special teams can do for you. And now, you know, they're zoned in on special teams. They want to be a part of special teams. It has become a, I would say a part of the very fabric of their culture and what they do at South Carolina overall. But it was just kind of, like I said, not jarring, but it is interesting just to hear literally there is no physical playbook for their special teams. And shout out Craig Godwin real quick. Appreciate you pointing out. I should have mentioned Jalen Brooks too. Wes, he ran going back to pro day for just a second, put up a much better time than he did at the NFL combine, I think in the four or five range, right? So much better than the time he put up um, at the combine. And so that might help him. And he was also, uh, when he was on the field, a key special teams player for South Carolina, played that gunner role a lot very well. And uh, Craig pointing out that Brooks said he's talked to more NFL special teams coaches and wide receiver coaches. So, again, illustrates that edge. But going back to Limbo, 
Yeah, I, I think the reason, Wes, that South Carolina is so good on special teams, the, the number one factor I could point to is not that, oh, well, their playbook's just so much more robust and complicated. It's not that. The number one thing is they actually do value it and spend time on it, right? They, they just – it's kind of ingrained – and Pete Limbo talked about this today – it's kind of just ingrained in the fabric of this program. It's become part of the identity. And so instead of just saying special teams is important to us, it's a third of the game like a robot. When you go to practice, they are working on tons of drills for special teams. And it's not some new crazy drill. If you've never seen them, they're new to you. But it's not a new crazy drill. It's a lot of the same stuff. But it's also good for players just for football concepts. It's not a drill that's just special teams drill. It's a football drill that can carry over to if you're an offensive player, offense and special teams. If you're a defensive player, defense and special teams. So it's really about the emphasis that they put on those things, how they kind of indoctrinate them into the program, how important they make them, and then just how they teach them. You know, obviously Pete Limbo, Shane Beamer, they're really good teachers of special teams, um, and they make it important. Now, of course, you do have Pete Limbo, who when it's time to dial up a two-point play or a trick play, they've got some players that can execute, and he's a brilliant you know, X's and O's type of guy. If you need to draw up a play, he can do that. But what they do is they teach the fundamentals of it, the techniques of it, and they make those things important. And so I think that's the main thing. You know, We think of Pete Limbo as this mad scientist, and he is when it's time to be that. But I think it's probably more wise to just think of him as just a really good teacher of the game, of just those techniques and fundamentals. And Shane Beamer has made that important and given him the leeway to be able to do that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, limbo is special, man. But it, it is a uh, – like most things, and like most things when you're successful, it is a team effort and just having the – you know, all coaches speak to it, as you said, but not all of them actually are willing to cut up the practice time because it's it's not infinite the practice time isn't you that means you can't do something else you might want to do in order to spend that time on special teams so that's uh you know a, a factor i think but carolina has made it work to their advantage so all right speaking of practice we were out there on tuesday six sessions which is more than some other ones that we've had obviously still not in the realm of Steve Spurrier with your Chevy truck backed up and a case of Natty Lights out there watching like in the old days. But, Chris, where do you start? What um, What's your one observation that you want to give the people from practice day one? And as you know from 107.5, it can't be that it was cold. It was cold, but I'll spend no time on that. Do I only get one observation? Or, or oh, this is just your first. I, this is my very first. All right, well, here's my very first. I, I kind of went back and forth of what I was going to, to use for this first one. One of the main things that I'm going to do when I go out to practice is, all right, where are the newcomers? And, you know, just what do they look like? The whole eye test, the, physica- the physical appearance of some of them. And so some of those guys are going to be a Trey Knox who you just you've seen him before at Arkansas on the field or on television. You've seen him at South Carolina milling around and you just want to see, you know, what does he look like on the football field? Or it can be uh, some of these freshmen. And so I think one of the things that really stood out to me is yes, when Shane Beamer got to South Carolina, there were obviously some really good players on this roster that he inherited and to their credit, they helped continue developing. And it's a lot of the guys that we were talking about earlier in terms of pro day. You know, some of those guys they brought in, some of them were already here. Rush, Pickens, Gwen, um, et cetera. But some of the guys that they've recruited recently, whether it's transfers or freshmen, really physically impressive. So you could go Trey Knox or Josh Simon at tight end, for instance. But, man, some of these freshmen, I mean, remember seeing Xavier McLeod, how he looked. They were doing some sled drills right in front of us. And just the physical presentation, there's a ways to go. Jimmy Lindsay giving him some hard coaching earlier, and then five minutes later had a an almost silly grin on his face just from how Xavier McLeod was doing in those sled drills. When you look at that guy's 
body composition and the physical talent. Pretty exciting stuff, right? Um, you look at Desmond Yumiazulu, who's going to play a huge role with edge out of necessity and because he has talent this year. He's a specimen, you know, really. And so there's a lot of young, intriguing talent. Jalen Kilgore at DB. Uh, Lenore Sellers at quarterback. Tremendous looking physically. So that was kind of my starting point is you just want to see what guys look like you know, early. And I think there were some impressive guys out on that field yesterday. Yeah. With McLeod, I mean, I'll be honest, man. I mean, I came into camp thinking, you know, McLeod's going to be a down the line guy as far as when he really impacts this program. And, and that may still be the case. I, you know, sometimes, sometimes you don't want to put super high expectations on a kid just out of fairness to the player. Like some people may even think that's being negative, but, I look at it as being fair, just like we've talked about with like Nicholas Harbor. Um, he's a five star, and people are going to automatically expect the world from him. But to expect him just to come in and have an Alshon first year when he really didn't play a ton of, if any, wide receiver for most of his high school career just is not fair. Um, so I'm not ready to like build the hype train yet, uh, you know, talking about maybe a guy like McLeod, but. Man, I mean, you and I were sitting there talking about him. And, like, he is drawn up like a bona fide SEC defensive tackle. And um, I'm going to look this up real quick so y'all bear with me because I want to get the exact right weight. I don't know if you have it in front of you, Chris. Here, I'll get it real quick. 6'5", 320. And... I mean, I'm here to tell y'all, either Zay, which is what people actually call Xavier, either Zay has lost 20, 15 to 20 pounds since he arrived, which also would be a good thing, or he carries 320 pounds better than almost anybody I've ever seen at South <laughs> Carolina. And I, I, again, we're talking strictly physical composition physical traits we didn't see him take one rep of ball yeah <laughs> like actual football but I'm, I'm just talking about the traits and chris we've seen i mean we've been watching south Carolina football a long time we've seen guys you look at them physically and you just say it's gonna be a while before that guy can help in the sec you look at zay and to me chris when i hear 320 especially in today's ball that screams nose tackle inside guy right over the center Looking at Zay, that he looks like a three technique. Like he is put together. And he's he's always kind of been like that. He's always carried his weight very well. Always been light on his feet. And I mean, there's not even going to be any pressure, I don't think, to play right away this year because they have guys on the interior. But um I, I'm with you. Of of the freshmen, of the newcomers. He's probably one of maybe even the guy that I left just saying physically, you know, like, wow, he, he's probably a little bit. I've seen him several times in person, even in high school, but I was a little bit blown away. Yeah. And I think a, a variety of factors is going to lead us to not see a lot of him this year, not hear a lot from him this year, but that, he's a guy that I think we could very well be revisiting sooner than later. You know, I mean, it, in a way, a little bit reminds me of TJ Sanders out of high school because TJ was a guy that you knew for a different set of circumstances, I think was going to have to make some adjustments, but has shown a lot of flashes and now is going to be playing a bigger role this year. And I think there'll be a progression for Xavier McLeod, but you're right. I mean, he looks like, he looks like one of the guys I used to draw up at D tackle, on NCAA 2014 um, and, and put the sliders all the way up. You know, I think his sliders are still going to have to go up on, on a lot of the different factors, but just the way he's drawn up, like you said, Wes, um, that that's what you want him to look like. The other exciting thing is you don't say, well, he looks good, but he can't move or he can't do this. Physically, he can do all those things. And that's what I was illustrating looking at Jimmy Lindsay, put him through those drills yesterday. He can do all those things. I remember – seeing Zay in camp probably a couple summers ago in Columbia and someone observing said he has no idea how good he could be talking about Zay 
And that's the type of talent he has. Now we'll see, does he ultimately reach that potential? We'll, we'll know in a few years, maybe sooner, maybe a little bit later. Um, but he has a lot of the tools. So I think that's an exciting thing, Wes, is this team has some question marks in the immediate, you know, in 2023 for the future, sure. But there's some guys at certain positions where you look at just the DNA and the composition of what they brought in, tight end, right, whether it's the transfers or the freshmen, some of the defensive linemen, Elijah Davis, Xavier McLeod. Um, you look at DB, Bakari Swain will be coming in later, but Jalen Kilgore, looking at him yesterday, Sellers. There's a lot of impressive-looking guys from a physical standpoint who have a really nice canvas for the staff to work with in the future. Yeah, speaking of Elijah, real quick, my my one observation on him was just that, yes, he does look like a defensive tackle. I, I know – I went back and looked, man. He was listed at 263 when they signed him and uh, now listed at 285. And, uh, and looks like that, I, I think, physically off the hoof. He looks like a three-tech, you know, an inside guy, a defensive tackle, whereas you sort of are reading that saying, well, man, is this is this kid going to end up at edge? And, you know, maybe he does have to swing out there some. Who knows what the future will bring. A lot of that's going to depend on how they come along at that edge spot. Excuse me, y'all. But, um, you know, I, I think that's something that we'll keep an eye on, but maybe isn't so much of a – thing I'm watching as maybe I once was uh my my big storyline man has got to be to carry on playing some running back and it, it is it's kind of funny I guess how it's been framed up and you know Beamer said he's still a wide receiver like he, he's a wide receiver and essentially you know carry on comes in as a quarterback right then to carry on as a wide receiver, but he's playing some Wildcat quarterback. Then, you know, he he was the quarterback for the bowl game two seasons ago. <laughs> but then he comes back, he's, he's a wide receiver, but last year we saw more and more of him at the Wildcat, especially as the season progressed and after Marshawn Lloyd got hurt and then, of course, transferred out going into the bowl game. Well, now it's framed up as he's a wide receiver, but he's also expanding this package of plays that they have with him into being a running back. Um, but it does beg one question for me, Chris. What if to carry on just looks outstanding <laughs> at running back? Yeah. Because um, listening to Dow Loggins talk today, it felt a little bit more... Like, there, there's a real chance we could see to carry on, play quite a few snaps at running back if this thing works out. Yeah. I mean, so your question is, what if? Um, I think that's a welcome it with open arms thing if you're South Carolina. And you just see where it goes. I mean, look, let's say USC goes out of, gets out of spring ball and they say, you know, we like what we got with Juju. We, we've carved out – we feel good about using him in this role because that role was not going to be, hey, we're going to roll Juju out there and run him up the middle 20 times a game. If they do that, not very smart strategy. I don't anticipate we'll see that. And they could exit Springs feeling good about what they've got in store for Juju, what they've got planned, what they've seen. They could feel like, hey, Mario Anderson, this kid is making a really good transition from D2 to – our level. Like we feel like he, he's shown some traits and production where he can go do it. And Hey, to carry on looks like a natural that in my opinion, Wes is still not going to change the fact that on May 1st, they're going out to get a portal running back of some sort, because you still need depth. Even if you feel like you've got those three guys and let's say, even if Dante Miller gets his waiver, we don't know yet. Hey, we got three or four guys. You're still going to go get a guy. Even if it's a depth addition, or if it's a big time, if a big time running back happens to jump in the portal, you feel like you can get, you're going to do that. So it doesn't change your strategy overall, but it makes you feel a heck of a lot better about things, right? And honestly, I would not be surprised if to carry on plays a decent amount of running back in the spring and some wildcat quarterback and some receiver and looks good doing all those things. I think when he's been utilized in the backfield at times, 
during his South Carolina career, he's looked natural, and it makes sense. He has plenty of experience doing that from his high school quarterback days at Fort Dorchester and then leading into college too. So I I would not be shocked by that at all. Yeah, I, I sort of put that into my bold predictions today that, that we rolled out. Chris, of course, made the comment that yesterday it would have been a much better bold prediction if we had ran that story on Gamecock Central before people saw to carry on out there, you know, actually playing running back. But uh, be sure to check that out on GamecockCentral.com. And uh, as you see below us here, if you're on the video version, we do have a special right now. If you're not a subscriber, you can subscribe to Gamecock Central right now. Get 10 bucks for just four months for just 10 bucks, I should say. You don't get 10 bucks for four months. You get four months for 10 bucks. <laughs> There's a big uh, difference in that. Yes. A lot of people are signing up to get Wes Mitchell to send them $10 for four months straight. Yes, that will not happen. You will <laughs> you will land very much in disappointment land if you expect that. Um, all right, so let's move along. A couple more storylines. What you got next, Chris? Well, let's go to center. I'm, I'm stuck on this one, Wes. I feel like we've talked about the center position. Um, more than usual. Bit, the, the last couple of – Oh, E-Dug just locked that thing down for so he, long. He did. I mean, there is – snap count you threw out there earlier today? It was like one trillion. Yeah, there's been no center battle for years. I mean, literally. Uh, yeah, I think it was 834 snaps last season. I mean, it's literally – and that's been the case, right? When he's healthy, he's been the center for a while. And last year he took every single meaningful snap and even some beyond that. So, But, look, it's not just that. So you lose Eric Douglas. We also lose Hank Manos, who didn't play a ton during his career at South Carolina, but was someone that they felt like they could put in there if they needed, and he had plenty of experience and toughness and all that. And even Javon Gwynn, who never made the move to center, but is someone that if they got in a pinch or if they just wanted to make that move, they could have put him at center and just rolled right along. So now as it is, here's the good piece of news. The, the, the kind of negative, so to speak, is you do lose all those guys I just mentioned. But you're not saying, all right, which redshirt freshman or two, true freshman can you stick in there? Your two top options as of right now are Vershawn Lee, who's been on this in this program since 2020. So he's in his fourth year. He's got positional versatility. He started before at some spots. He's got experience. And then Nick Gargiulo, the transfer from Yale, who was an all-Ivy selection, has put on weight, and really, Wes, we've heard a lot of positives about Nick Gargiulo since he enrolled. Very intelligent, like checks all the boxes you want to see at center, and is also a really, really tough, hard-nosed football player. It, it sounds like I just described a center, right, exactly what you want. So Vershawn Lee was first up in the depth chart drill, in which there is not a depth chart, according to Shane Beamer, but he somehow or another was the first guy out there um, but Nick Gargiulo's in this too, man, and so it'll be really interesting to see where this goes and then how that move affects the rest of the offensive line. Yeah, and I, I wish I had the direct quote in front of me right now, Chris, because um, and I'm, this is completely tongue-in-cheek because I know Beamer somewhat says it tongue-in-cheek when he likes to give us all um, some grief about depth chart. <laughs> yeah, for but, sure. Uh, he said there is no depth chart right now, and then about two sentences later, he said the depth chart doesn't mean anything. So, <laughs> that means it exists though yeah but, it, it just so happened Wes so we'll, we'll give we'll give Beamer a little heck back it just so happens that they just pulled uh all right first guys up they just pulled him out of a hat and it just happened to be the guys that everybody thinks is starting for the most part it's yeah amazing. completely random completely random <laughs> and in some cases you have younger players in front of older play like it's not completely seniority that's right. And uh hey, we wouldn't we wouldn't have a podcast if we couldn't over overanalyze this stuff. We 100%. wouldn't have a website if we couldn't overanalyze this stuff. So that's what we're here for. Taking the little teeny tiny just snippets of information and telling people if they matter and why they matter, I think is what we try to do. And sometimes we are completely off as well. But uh, we do our best. So Chris, another kind of storyline, but something I would say it's it's been asked about a couple of times. I I don't really know that this is a big deal yet, but um, 
Donovan Westmoreland playing some edge. That was something Beamer mentioned in our sit-down with him. He did quite a bit of that last year just on scout team. And uh, so now it's an opportunity. I thought I don't know if you got a chance to hear how Clayton White said it today, the defense coordinator, basically saying, you know, the kid, he wants to rush the passer. He's happy right now. He's happier rushing the passer. You know, White said, like, that's what he wants to do. Um, he also said right now, you know, th- this is a role for him. Like, he's a role player. He said those words. He's a role player who right now is kind of a third down pass rush type and he's trying to he's developing and trying to find his his spot to impact this team so I I took it as something where they're doing their best to maximize the efficiency of the roster they're trying to find guys who can help at edge but it it doesn't sound like necessarily this is yet a a huge deal for me I, I think quite frankly the bigger thing the bigger deal to watch at like an edge spot, is how good of a, str- a spring does Terrell Dawkins have? Um, can, shoot, man, forgotten guy, uh, can Tyreek Johnson, is there another step available there for him? The completely other end of that spectrum, Dez Umiazulu. You said it earlier, looks the part absolutely. A little bit unfair for him. You're going to probably ask him to, to do more than you would have if you had a full slate of guys, but that just that's what it is right now. It was a little bit it was a little bit sort of just like, okay, this is where it is right now when you look out there with the second group and there's Dez, there's your true freshman. Day one. Mm-hmm. He's in the rotation. Let's see what you can do, right? Yeah, and and may quickly ascend depending on how things go. You know, you got to keep in mind Jordan Strawn, who will be a starter on this team, is not participating this spring. So that means even more reps for these other guys. So part of having Donovan Westmoreland in there, it's much more than this, but it helps you just efficiently practice, right? You, you don't have – it's not like you just have tons of bodies even at the edge position. So it, it's someone that you can move over um, who has some experience from the high school level, knows how to rush the passer – has the requisite athleticism. Here's another part of it. He's undersized. And so is Brian Thomas Jr., you know, quite frankly, um, to where those guys, if nothing changes, are probably going to be playing more potentially, or your starters are just going to be playing more snaps, kind of like last season, than you'd ideally like. Um, Tyreek Johnson, big spring for him. Terrell Dawkins showed a lot of promise at NC State young in his career. Went through an injury there one year. Went through an injury at South Carolina last year. So he's kind of behind the eight ball. But just physically, he's got a lot of the tools, right? Um, this is another transfer portal position. Come May 1st for South Carolina, they they need a guy or two to, at a bare minimum, add depth, potentially, depending on who jumps in, add another starter. So they've got some pieces to where they might be able to come out, the coaching staff may, may be able to come out of this spring Kind of like running back, feeling a little bit better about the spot. For me, Wes, if I'm stacking them up, if you put like concern level of running back, concern level of edge, higher, I would say at edge. Running back, you can smoke and mirror it a little bit more, I feel like, within the structure of your scheme, who you're putting back there. You can't hide a team running at you on the edge. You can't hide not being able to rush the passer, which is then going to affect how you play on the back end. It's a lot harder to do. So um, they've got to address both spots, but edge is one where it's a big, big spring for several guys on this team. Yeah, and it's interesting you're phrasing your language there because Clayton White, I, I thought it was I thought it was kind of interesting today, Chris, when he was asked, I don't remember exactly how it was asked, but paraphrasing, you know, what what do you need to improve? Like what have you seen from your defense the last two years now that you uh, feel like just has to get better. You know, and I, I think we're sitting there thinking if you were really engaged into the conversation, I'm saying he's got to say run defense. Like, that has to be the answer to that. And he said, you know, look, it, it's run defense. And he said, we're we're not going to run from that. Like, we're, we're going to own that, essentially, is what he was saying. And, 
you know, you look at the not only the edge spot, man, but it was a little bit striking to me. And again, there's no Mocob out there. There's no Jordan Strong. You're you're gonna add some of this talent back into the mix, right? But just looking not just at the edge spot, which I think it is striking at that spot, that you do kind of have um, some real questions and concerns. This is a year of transition for that defense at multiple spots. You lose your your two main corners from last year. You look at the linebacker spot, and yes, you know you're hoping, you know you're hoping and praying for Mo Kaba himself that he's back to his old self. Um, just a great dude, somebody you pull for. But, Chris, you look out there and you see, you know, Stone Blanton and you see Debo Williams. Uh, Stone was a first-year player last season. Debo is a guy who's kind of waited his turn, right? Like, he's been a, a reserve player at linebacker who's played, don't get me wrong, but you're asking for more from him. O.D. Fortune, you're asking for more from him. Even Marcellus Dow, who actually has started quite a bit last year, played a bunch of snaps. You're asking, hey, it might be, you're going to the number one receiver for them. That's your guy for this game. So, you know, I, I think this is kind of an interesting spring at a lot of positions on this defense. And Clayton White even sort of said it. He's like, we, we've got a lot of youth. He's like, it's brought some extra energy. It's brought some um, just little added maybe entertainment value in the in the meeting room I would expect but yeah. this is this is a big spring for a ton of guys on that side of the ball yeah and you're in year 3 of the defensive scheme which for some of the guys who are looking to take a step forward like a fortune um you know Blanton this will be his second year with it right but just year 3 overall in Clayton White's scheme for some of the older players that helps but even if you're Clayton White you know, you're sitting there on game day, and it's it's third and seven. What are you calling? Well, last year, you're probably saying, I'm taking my chances with Darius Rush and Cam Smith on the outside. We're going to play man. I might be sending Brad Johnson on a blitz to help out. I might send five. And we're going to play man, and I'll put somebody down in the box and play deep safety, and I'm, I'm rolling with it. This year – we, we don't know as much, you know, and you might have designs on it, but you got to get the guys out there and kind of let the live bullets fly and see where it falls. I think it's safe to say, and, and this is no knock on the guys on the roster, there's probably going to be a step back in main coverage to a degree. If you're talking about a first-round pick and a top 100 pick, first three rounds, you lose those two cover guys on the outside with that length, that speed, that physicality, those are tough losses, you know. So that, again, to go back to what I said earlier, that affects how you play up front. How you play up front affects how you play on the back end. So it's a year of transition. That's a great term, great phrasing that you use for the defense because it is. They got some guys back. They'll plug some guys back in who they were missing last year who are going to be critical parts. But a lot of questions here. I think there's two main things when you're hearing Shane Beamer, Clayton White, Dowell Loggins talk. You know, one of them is stopping the run and being able to run the run the football more effectively, so just run game in general. And then next is turnovers, right, which Dow Loggins and Shane Beamer have both really harped on in their last few media appearances. Yeah, no turnovers uh, yesterday, which, of course, um, you know, is the age old. Like, well, all right, great for the offense. Why didn't the defense create any turnovers? That's always a thing when you're playing yourself. But, uh, you know, I, I think um, interesting, too, I, I always – this time of year, y'all – Yes, sometimes you can read too far into it. It's not always even what a coach says. It's how they say it. And I think there are actually some very um, – there are some, like, small signs that O.D. Fortune is in a place to take a step forward. The way – I think Clayton White said it, like, you know, he's a new man now. Beamer has brought Fortune up to us as well. And, uh, you know, I, I think there are some signs there. That, that OD has taken a step forward just, you know, in, in preparation and, and doing all the little things off the field that puts you in a position to uh, to go to go excel and, and be, you know, a starter, like be the guy, be the dude. Craig making an excellent point. First time in a while that safety, just not a question. I mean, 
remember last year when I mean, th- literally this time last year, one year ago, um, it looked like it was going to be what Devani Reed and um, who would it have been at this point? Because and R.J. Roderick, that's right, um, Devani and R.J. And I I remember distinctly that um, Torian Gray was asked like. Who who would your backups be? And he listed walk-ons. It was like, I think it was all walk-ons. Maybe he mentioned Tyrese Ross. Um, but now you go into this year. Nick stepped forward. DQ stepped forward. Uh, you know, you got you added Kilgore to the mix. Peyton Williams got, I think, what will be some really valuable playing time last year while actually redshirting. You, you feel pretty like you feel really good, I think, about that spot. Um, depending on what also happens at uh, at nickel and how you want to sort of structure things back there, yeah. And David Spalding, you know, I mean, he yeah, literally the forgotten guy. I mean, I forget him all the time. It's like, why? I mean, but but he could play safety or nickel, right? I mean, it, it in an effort to get your best five on, there could be several combinations of that. And if you want DQ to be your safety. Yeah, you can roll Keenan Nelson, uh, who was with the first team on the nine depth chart the other day. Nine depth uh, chart, really. Yeah, the, the not real depth chart, but he was out there first somehow. And um, but David Spalding could be that guy, right? He's played nickel. He's been a starter at nickel in his career. He platooned with Carlin Spatel in twenty twenty one, but last year started the Kentucky game, made a huge play on the first play of the game. Then he's injured, right, and has to miss the rest of the season. But he's a guy with size. One of their bigger DBs they have, super smart, versatile. He's a guy that I think is going to play an important role in this team too. Yeah, and I uh, I did think it was intriguing today, Chris. How about the answer from Clayton White when he was asked about Nick Harbor? Like I, I had wondered with all this talk about, you know, wide receiver and offense, and it's it's done really a 180 from – when Nick was first being recruited because it, it was kind of defense. Then it was more, eh, it could go either way. Then it was there. Remember Chris, there was still some talk about, Oh, this is going to be the first two way tight end slash edge rusher. Mm-hmm. I think in the history of college football, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's extreme, but there haven't been many, not many. And then that part just sort of died out. Clayton gave up his game plan um, far too early, Coach, to <laughs> give up your plan about recruiting Nick. Maybe a, maybe some third and 20s. Maybe, maybe some Hail Mary situations for the opponent. End of game, end of half. You got to kind of finesse your way in there, I feel like, a little bit. Like, Coach, we only need him for about three plays a game. Mm-hmm. Then, Coach, we only need him for about six plays a game. Then you yeah. kind of got to ease in there. Yeah, but the the wheels are still turning on the maybe small. Is it a small possibility, or is it a bigger than small possibility that Harbor at 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 some point plays on defense for the Gamecocks? I, I think. Right now, it's probably smallish, but it could grow, and it could grow quickly, you know? I mean, you're right. But Before long, Clayton White schedules an extra defensive meeting. And, ah, well, Nick's not doing anything. He's not at track right now. He's not He's not with the wide receiver or the tight end room, not doing a special teams meeting. Come on in. Just, just sit here. Just, just see if you can pick something up. But you, and you remember, I mean, Sterling Lucas, Edge's coach at South Carolina, was a huge part of this recruiting process. So, you know, they may just be chatting one day. Nick, you, you know, we got really a third and 33. You're not going to come in and rush the passer just once. We should see it. That Maybe that could be a bold prediction. Before Nick Carver leaves Columbia, he gets a pass rusher up. Just one. I think the real one would be, does Nick Harbor record a sack? That's a good one. In his South Carolina career. That's a good one. It's so early, man. Like, I, I know – like we we've seen this. How how many times and it I'm gonna be honest with y'all, this pisses me off when this happens. How often like you'll say you'll say something and it's one hundred percent true, like your information is good, like 
oh, the plan is for this guy to do this. And then, you know, just because it's life and things are fluid and things change, year or two from now, you know, a guy is playing another position that you one day said, no, that's not the plan for him to play this position. So there's still a guy on Twitter who, there's a guy on Twitter who tagged me during Carolina's, during the Duke's Mayo Bowl and tagged me, calling me out for saying that I said Jorner was not playing quarterback anymore. And I had said he wasn't playing quarterback anymore like the prior preseason when he had moved full-time to wide receiver. <laughs> Literally was not playing quarterback. Yeah, it, exactly. And the guy still calls me out. Like, he's tweeted me multiple, like, years later, multiple times, whenever Joyner lines up at quarterback. So, you know, I think it is one of those things. Like, on paper right now, the plan is wide receiver. But you you just never know what, what might happen. He may really just get out there and be like, man, I miss hitting quarterbacks. So, will if the first time to carry on, let's say North Carolina this season, let's say it's second series, it's second and six. Here comes to carry on in the Wildcat package, taking a snap. Is that guy tweeting you? Is he firing oh, off probably, a tweet? Probably. I'm getting a tweet. He's already got it in drafts. Yeah. Each week. It's Ray. He's like, the guy doesn't even follow me. I don't think is the funny thing. Ooh, but, that's rough. Yes, it literally seek you out. <laughs> he searches it. Um, it's rough, man. Hey, what's what's the first – what position is the carry-on joiner lined up at during the first snap he takes of game action this season? That would be – like I, I see all this stuff about um, like betting is getting closer and closer to being legalized multiple places. That would be a great prop bet. Right now, I would say backfield. Yeah, but you got to be specific. Running back? Yeah, I'm going to go running back. Right now. I kind of I kind of agree. Yep. That line may move. The prop bet line. G, yeah, we're starting GC. Running bet. back is minus whatever. I don't know how, how a prop bet GC works. Bets. Um, GCbets.com. Check it out. Yeah. Hey. It could work. It could happen. Um, all right. We got a couple more things, but before we move along, Chris, it is tax time, man. It really is. We talk about Liberty tax when it is not tax time, but right now it truly is tax time. So give them a call, 803-462-5576. I am having tax anxiety right now because I have not done my taxes yet. And um, I just got married last year so there's a lot of changes with my taxes so um, if you are like me and you've had life changes that will affect how your taxes are going to work this year give our friends at liberty tax a call 803-462-5576 or if you're just looking for a more efficient way to do your taxes or have someone else do your taxes they can help you with that as well and if you're on either side of it whether it's you're going to get a big old refund check and you're excited about that or you're going to owe money and you want to just know exactly what you're dealing with and how you should deal with it. Uh, they can help you with that as well. They are open nine to nine on weekdays right now, nine to five on Saturdays. They are staffed by tax professionals from your local neighbor neighborhood here in Columbia, Lexington, and Irmo. Uh, you can start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. You can make an appointment or you can just walk on in. So appreciate our friends. There at Liberty Tax right here in Columbia. I'll say it one more time, 803-462-5576. Uh, all right, Chris, we got about five minutes, man. What have we not hit? Well, I was randomly – this has nothing to do with the Gamecocks. Am I allowed a quick moment for this? Did you see old Adam Schefter, his tweet trying to confirm that Aaron Rodgers is indeed going to the Jets – and posted the screenshot of what Aaron sent back, which was lose my number. Nice try, though. Epic. I feel like lose my number is like the worst insult. If anybody, if you ever want to make me take my ball and go home, if you tell if you tell me to lose your number, that's like devastating to me. 
So um, I, I haven't been on there, but um, so Scheffner post he posted the screenshot. <laughs> I guess I guess uh, he said confirming confirming the Aaron Rodgers news because I guess Rodgers went on uh, the Pat McAfee show and said like he's pretty much going to the Jets, but they're trying to work out trade compensation or or something like that. Um, and I guess Aaron Rodgers is not a Shefty fan. But Shefty did. You know how you and I will sometimes have to send the obligatory, this person is not going to answer this question, but let's do our duty and send it anyway. I feel like maybe he was doing that. And uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, did not take kindly to it. Lose lose my number. Man. what? I mean, Rough. I wonder what the backstory is there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Aaron Rodgers, different dude. Different dude. Oh, man, he is – such a different dude. He's a different and, dude. Not a Schefter fan, apparently. You know, he he apparently is not a fan, but just the fact. All right, let's do what we do in spring ball. Let's read way too far into this. Maybe he's not a fan, but I do think there is a certain game recognizes game respect level here. Judging by the fact he responded. Yeah. He, responded. He, he he may have been waiting for the chance to just give that little, I'm um, going to take Shefty down a level, you know? Responded, but with some humor as well. And yeah. I feel like that's a level up move, though, by, by him rather than just, oh, you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't like me. I'm going to just own this and post the screenshot of it. <laughs> and that was funny. Now, the fact that Aaron Rodgers' name isn't even capitalized in his phone. Uh, Schefter's too busy for that. capital letters. No time yeah. for that. You get what you get. Yeah. Also, lots of people commenting on uh, on Schefter's low power mode, like all the way charged up, but low power mode. I use that move a lot. Uh, my phone's getting a little too old. I need a new battery, Wes. Respect that. Um, somebody responded and said you're like family to him. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Oh, could do my a, goodness. Could do a whole show of over-analysis. Why, why did I even get on that? I don't know, Wes. You opened the door. You gave me an opportunity to bring in non-Gamecock spring practice stuff. So I took it. I thought that was funny. I don't blame you. Um, also, I would have thought he would maybe have more unread texts. But maybe not. Yes. Well, he he might be a, a clean like inboxer, clean text message. So, Wes, you're you're not extreme, right? I mean, you you have a you have a lot. Like when I see your inbox, it stresses me out because I can't have if I have like ten, I'm like you know freaking out. I have to have unreads and I clean things out. The text pretty much the same way. Um, I know you don't keep a big bank of texts, right? I mean, do you have like, what, 30? I don't even get that many texts. All right. Like, what do you have on your phone right now? Unread? Yeah. 149. What, how do you have, how do you have unread? What, you don't read your texts? Yeah. Most of So do you read, do you look at them on your watch and then? I just glance, they pop up, I glance at them. I have one, and I just received it. Mine is nothing like Kendall Smith's. Yeah, now I was going to call her out. Whew. She's got like a thousand. Because one time she posted some screenshot of something from her phone, and people are like, uh, "Let's how about let's turn the focus to your 1,000 unread texts? I can't unread, do that. How many unread emails do you have? Unread emails? Seven. And I received them all since... 217 and I will clean them out right now. Hmm. Let me guess your emails. Okay. And then it's three o'clock. We're going to leave. Yeah. Everybody's already logged off. Just Wes and I talking right now. Um, 3,100. 3,100. Yeah. <laughs> no. I thought you kept like thousands of unread emails. No, I do. You guessed way too low. Oh, 30,000. 
47,496. Oh. And that's right. only because it made me delete some of them. All right, Wes. You got to go. But, hey, let me let me just say this. Earlier today, you were trying to remember if you had done something. And I said, just check an email, man. I'm yeah. sure they emailed you about that. And you said, oh, I deleted it. Well, guess what? If somebody says to me, hey, you might have a, an email about this, I just do this. Oh, yeah. there it is. I can search everything that anyone's ever sent me. True. I'm normally a better inbox cleaner outer than I was today. As it turns out, I did not actually even have an email about that subject, though, which is why it wasn't there. So That's true. Um, let's hit Big Red's question, though. Let's turn yep. this back around to some football for a moment. Um uh, do you have an opinion on where Carolina players could go in the draft? We have talked about this before. Um, I think we have a a feel for where they're at. Yeah. Where they're going to go. Yeah. Um, I think Chris and I have a little bit different opinion on the windows or where they're going to go within those particular windows, I think, is where the opinion part comes in. But, I mean, for the most part right now, isn't it the general belief? Um, obviously, Cam goes first. You know, late first round. I early guess second. Yeah, yeah. I I'm leaning. I think Cam is probably early second, in my opinion. Um, you know, then you have sort of some debate on would it be Zach Pickens next? Would it be Darius Rush next? Uh, they're more like, how did you say it? Top 100 overall. Yep. Yep. I would say, yeah, I mean, like right towards the end of the third. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, Zach is like second to third and Darius, like I would still be a little surprised if Darius got second round. Would I be shocked? No, I would kind of say third, maybe early, early fourth. Like if he kind of like slipped quote unquote, but in that top 100 range. Yeah. And I, I think some of the, some of these things will just depend on how the draft plays out. Yep. You know, there might be a run on a position that slides a guy up there might be could you know it could be the opposite of that that slides a guy down um you know we'll see Th those are the guaranteed guys i mean past that i guess it's like all right you know it, where where does a javon gwen end up is he more a late late round pick or more mm -hmm. you know preferred signing after uh, can Nate Adkins potentially sneak in or does he sign a free agent deal? Um, is there, is there any potential for a Josh fan to go extremely late or is he a signing guy? Um, you know, Dylan Wanham is someone we kind of had our eyes on um, the official size that South Carolina put out after his pro day, um, you know, maybe hurts him a little bit, but I don't know. Am I, am I missing anybody, Chris, off the top of your head? Yeah, I mean, the, the thought on Gwen is he probably gets drafted, but you, you're right. When you get later rounds into those later rounds, it kind of depends. Mm -hmm. And and so you can always see a guy go maybe a little bit earlier than expected. You can always see a guy kind of slip out. So Javon Gwen, Adkins, you know, Jalen Brooks is going to have some questions to answer, frankly, about, you know, he, he did run better. Um, but, you know, some, some off-field, a couple – times at South Carolina he wasn't with the team will, will that play in when the margins get super tight late it might you know um but but Van Adkins Gwen Brooks I think those are probably the main you know other guys to watch from this team and um I would anticipate Gwen's probably drafted um but but maybe later and then Adkins I could see him getting drafted too hey, Shane Beamer telling story at his press conference that he literally told an NFL GM that he was stupid if he didn't draft Nate Adkins, which was hilarious. Um, but, yeah, I think that's kind of the, the lay of the land right now with Gamecock draft guys. Yeah, and we'll see if that shifts again at all. Any, I mean, a lot of it right now is just going to be what do the various specific teams think as far as how this thing's going to play out. I don't see, like, the windows themselves um, – shifting a whole lot uh but we shall see all right he's chris i'm wes appreciate y'all hanging in uh through all of our uh shenanigans including actual football talk but we'll see y'all soon we'll see y'all on 107.5 tomorrow at 11
And then uh, we'll see you actually all from 9 to 12 on 107.5 on Friday, live from Firehouse Subs in Sumter. Uh, So y'all have a good one. We'll see you then. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.